If you think Omicron is a transformer, then you're a dumb mofo. And if you want to hear two dumb mofos, go to www.nttfgpod.com and subscribe. I'm Rock. And I'm Archie. Well, our opinions, eh, they might not matter to some, but... What are you doing in there? It's a podcast. Immature. Crash. Trashy. And those are their good qualities. These poor schmucks are a couple of IQ points away from eating paste. But when it comes to music, sports, and comedy, well, that's all they know. You're listening to Not These Two Fucking Guys. Not These Two Fucking Guys podcast. Yo! Rocky, what are you doing, pal? Hey, did you dye your beard white for Christmas? <laughs> oh, you fucking piece of shit. Got jokes today, huh? Well, you want to know what? These aren't gray hairs, motherfucker. They're stories. And they represent oh. a motherfucking a tragedy, a great time. <laughs> and I have a lot of them. Hey, listen. What are you doing? At least you got hair on your face. Um, I'm just chilling, pal. How are you? What have you been up to? Well, I got a little something, something for you. You know the holidays are approaching, correct? I know that by your beard, yeah. And you, you fuck. And and you know that being Italian like you and myself, that we are going to have a lot of fish come Christmas Eve, maybe Christmas Day. You know the the, the holidays. The fish Usually about seven yeah. of them. Yeah, a little bacala. I'm make a fish sauce. Yes. I'm going to make a fish sauce again this year. I make it with the stuffed galamad. I make the fucking, you know, scallops, everything. You know, I, I have a nice little fish sauce. But uh, what, do, what do you think? What do you think you could put away? If you sat down Oof. at a table and you had some, I love me some shrimp cocktail. How do you feel about shrimp cocktail? Delish. Delish. Maybe with a nice spicy, tangy uh, cocktail sauce. Go on. <laughs> If you sat down throughout the day, do you think you can put away a pound of shrimp throughout the a day? A pound of shrimp? No, not like fucking, easily. you know, like, yeah. Easily. Uh, easily? Easily. Yeah. Do you think you could do two pounds of shrimp? Or are we getting crazy? Um, I don't know. You may get fucking mercury poisoning eating that much, but seafood, yo, seafood is very hard to gauge. Even like when you go and order somewhere, it's like. I mean, like you know how much steak you can eat, roughly. You know, you know how many slices of teeth yeah. you can eat. You don't, you don't know how many fucking little pieces of seafood, scallop, shrimp, muscle. Like, I don't know. I think I can eat a yeah. fucking, literally a ton of mussels, right? Gotcha. Not get full. Yeah. All right. Well, our boy. Well, he's not really our boy, but uh, a guy named of a uh, Joey Chestnut. Yeah. He had seventeen pounds of shrimp Christ. in under eleven minutes. <laughs> oh my god oh my god so uh i think it was 11 11 minutes i could be wrong i i might be off but it's like you know 11 12 13 whatever fucking minutes it is he had 17 pounds of shrimp oh and, and 1.6 ounces of saint elmo's cocktail sauce now saint elmo shrimp is out of Indianapolis, I believe. And they have a shrimp eating contest. Impromptu contest over the weekend. Joseph Chestnut. And for those people who do not know of Joseph Chestnut, Joey Chestnut is pretty much first in the world in major league 
eating at 38 years old, even though there is major league eating. We didn't know this, <laughs> but he, uh, yeah, he, uh, you, know, you, you always see them gobbling down wieners on a 4th of July. That's what I'm saying. So he had, he had his breakthrough in 2005 eating 6.3 pounds of fried asparagus in under 11 minutes. <laughs> Just fucking weird. What do you think you his fucking what his fucking smelled like? <laughs> <laughs> I love when we step on each other's lines. <laughs> do you? Th- all right. So fast forward from 2005, the guy's been like fucking uh, championship eating for the last 15 years. 2021, 4th of July weekend, Coney Island, he had 76 hot dogs and buns in whatever fucking minutes that was. Now, over the weekend, he had 17 pounds of shrimp with fucking 1.6 ounces of cocktail sauce. I feel like the fucking shrimp to cocktail sauce ratio is all fucking off. Like for that much shrimp, you need like a fucking like like a like a gallon, like a painter's bucket of cocktail sauce. Now, is that? Let me ask you a question: Is that an athlete or not? A hundred percent an athlete. If you don't know who Joey Chestnut is, if you guys don't know what he looks like, Archie will post a, a link or a picture. He's built like a regular dude, bro. He's he's six foot, two hundred and thirty pounds. He's like a lanky guy and yeah. he's eating for 15 men. It's insane. Yeah. So 17 pounds of shrimp, right? Yeah. And if he's anything like us after that, you probably have that like a cocktail or something to fucking something oh. to fucking. He said what he do you drinking, think? He said he was drinking warm water with it to help like the oh. fucking, uh, of the cocktail sauce. That's why. <laughs> oh, what do you think his fucking morning breath smelled like the next day? <laughs> Like he went down on a fucking mermaid. (laughs) God damn it. He smells like fucking seaside, New Jersey, seaside Heights, New Jersey on a hot summer's day. Yeah. Yeah. You know what though? So he did this at a restaurant. Uh, It was like an outdoor eating event. He ate 17 pounds of shrimp, right? Which probably didn't leave much left over for anybody else there to eat. Isn't that kind of shellfish? He, I, I think if I read, <laughs> oh, uh, God. I fucking hate Anybody this podcast, I apologize for the fucking hack that he is. <laughs> oh, um, fuck if me. I read correctly, I, if I read correctly, I think he beat the guy who came in second place, lost by three pounds. <laughs> All right, so let me ask you a question, right? So the guy lost by three pounds. So basically, you're doing it to win a contest. He probably wins, I don't know, fucking money, prize, year supply of fucking, you know, whatever. So what about the guy who comes in second and ate 15 pounds of fucking shrimp for nothing? Oh. Like, oh. like you ate that much, you still didn't fucking win. No, no. I got it. I, I got it. I get it now. Maybe we'll have Joey Chesson on, but like what? I got to know what he eats the days leading up. You know, yeah. he, there's no way he fucking eats the next week after that. We're going to try to get him on the podcast. I'm going to we're going to make it a mission. Joey Chestnut. What do you think the shits that he takes? Oof. Like yeah. would 17 pounds of shrimp come out? I don't know, man. It's got to fucking clog you up. Give you fucking mercury poisoning. Fucking get you high. So, it, it, I'm sorry. It does something to you. You're not. You, there's no way you're you're the same fucking person coming out of that contest as you were going in. 
bitch, okay? I walk three pound peekaboo down the street. Now look for my husband walking behind me. Archie. Yo, yo. I'm excited for our guest tonight. Oh, yeah. Come on. Your, your sound is a little fucked up right now. Fuck it you, just changed. Man. All right. How's that sound? Nah, still shit. No, it's not making it any better. Not making it any better. That that's good right there. What? Hmm. You hear him? It's truly, you hear him going going in and out, right? Mm-hmm. It's like. Hold on, Scott. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, technology. Fuck you. Maybe it's just you got to speak up more. I don't know. Maybe it's just not picking it up. Yeah, maybe put a little more man into your voice. That was last night. There you go. <laughs> uh, I think it seems about. like when you talk about gay sex, you sound fine. <laughs> it's like natural. Yeah. All of a sudden, it just comes out. Yeah, it's like it wants to be heard. It's weird. <laughs> Can you hear me now? Yes. All right. Yeah, we're going to make we'll the best of it, Arch. <clears throat> All right. Archie. Yo. You know I'm super excited for our guest today. Definitely. He's a writer, producer, comedian. He has his own podcast called The Shuli Show. Please welcome to Not These Two Fucking Guys podcast, Shuli Agar. What's up, dude? Gentlemen, it is a thrill and an honor. <laughs> this has been on my list for years and years, uh, <laughs> and I'm glad that I finally get to live out my dream. Thank you for having me on. Well, we we really appreciate it. We're glad we can make your dream come true. <laughs> thank you, thank you. So this is what a Jew so, looks like. Go ahead. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Arch, scratch it off your list. That was his opener. <laughs> yeah. Um, how's things in Alabama? First off, you 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 made a big move. Yeah. Uh, things are great. I mean, we're we're in a in the suburbs. We got a beautiful home. Uh, my kids have space. I got two acres of land. I, I I don't honk my horn driving. I don't have to take trains anywhere. I uh, I I've I've had uh, the word Jew screamed at me less here than New York. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so far so good. It's definitely an adjustment. You know, some people like to pump the brakes in life, but you move from New York to Huntsville, Alabama, and that's pretty much pulling the e-brake on the freeway. That's not pumping the brakes. So <laughs> it takes some getting used to, but uh, I'm digging it, man. Peace of mind. You can't really put a price tag on that, you know? Huntsville, um, Alabama. Yeah, dog. Woo! Yeah, we got to oh, plant man. that Israeli flag in the ground around the South, man. We got to let them know we're here. They don't even know about Jews out here. They don't even know why they should hate us. I feel bad. <laughs> You're a what? <laughs> yeah, they just think we're white people. It's sad. Now, I'm, I'm sorry if you, you know, you mentioned this in interviews a bunch of times, but like, I, I mean, I could sit here and say, why? Why'd you go there? But like, what's the what drove you there? Like, what's, what's the main reason? So, you know, we're in the pandemic. We're locked down in New York. We were living in a two bedroom, two bath apartment uh, in Queens. Myself, my wife, two little girls, uh, three cats and a dog. 
as way too many living creatures in such a small space. And now we're on lockdown. We're home 24 seven, seven days a week. And I think a lot of people in New York started to realize how, because you're not there a lot. You're constantly moving. You're constantly going. I'm, I'm, running into the city to go do work. Then I'm doing spots at comedy clubs. Then Friday comes around. I'm on the road. I'm traveling to do a gig. I'm back Sunday. I have a few. So I'm spending hours of my life uh, at home with my family. And the rest of the time is just constantly go, go, go. So when the door gets slammed shut and you can't leave, now you're sitting around. And, and for me, it was, it was a reconnection with my family. But the other thing was like, look at how much we're paying and what we have to show for it. You know, we were, we were renting and we were paying $300 less uh, than our mortgages for a five bedroom, two acre place in Huntsville. Now I had, uh, I have a good friend of mine, Conrad Thompson, known as the pod father. Uh, he does all these hugely successful uh, wrestling podcasts. Um, I love and, Conrad. Yeah. He's my man. I've known him for years. He's been telling me for years, just get some property out here. Huntsville's booming. It's going to be the next uh, Nashville. It's going to be the next Austin. And at the time, I'm like, I don't have time for this shit. Well, when you're locked, <laughs> when you're locked down and you got nowhere to go, nothing to do. And you start jumping on Zillow and seeing what you can afford and what you can buy compared to what you can buy on the East Coast. Um it was really a no brainer because I knew we were never going back to the studio. It was just a matter of seeing what this area was about. We snuck out in the summertime. We drove 14 hours to Huntsville. We spent a week out here, checked out houses, checked out the people. Uh, We dug it. We said, you know what? Uh, This is an opportunity for our kids to be kids and enjoy themselves. And so we went for it and, and we came out here and, yeah, it's been great. It's funny. I got a, I got two little girls myself. Uh huh. Three and one. Mm-hmm. So thank God I was gray before I had these two little girls. But anyway, that's besides the point. You understand? Of course. But uh, we're out in Jersey, right? And we actually have people from New York moving to Jersey because right. they don't want to be. They don't want to deal with that shit. Yeah, our our neighborhood was a really nice neighborhood. Uh, but it literally changed overnight um, during the pandemic and, and everything got really weird and, and, you know, tons of protests and, and tons of crime. And, you know, I, I, I bring this up on stage, but uh, the breaking point for me was um, I walked out of my apartment one morning and, and there's a guy taking a shit behind my car on the street. Oh, my and, God. Uh, yeah. And, and the worst part, he wasn't wearing a mask. Like, can you believe that? <laughs> that's fantastic. See, that's the type of um, shit where, like, I get it. Like, all right, here we go. Fucking New York. Shit's happening. But if my kids see it, and then that's what I, I'm like, all right, fuck this. I don't want to, you know, that, that's, that's what would drive me to fucking Huntsville. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a chance for, you know, I think they grow up. I think they become grownups a lot faster in the city than they do in the suburbs. Right. And, and I have an, I have a a 11 year old and a seven year old and, uh, and I like them to be kids for a little while. I want them to ride bikes. I want them to walk to a friend's house and spend the night and do all the shit we did when we were kids. 
And you can't really do that in New York. You can't just let your kid walk some. I see the kids going to school on the subway train in the morning. I'm just like, as a parent going, I wouldn't put my fucking kid on the subway train to go to school. Yeah. Hell no. Like, but listen, maybe I'm looking at it wrong. I don't know. All I know is that they, they, they never had an opportunity to live like this. And my folks left Israel. They took us out of Israel because they didn't want, I'm the youngest of three boys. They didn't want us going into the military. Uh, they had a they had a hunch things wouldn't mellow out around there anytime soon. <laughs> and they they packed up and they brought us to the United States, to L.A. And, and family gave them shit and friends gave them shit and they didn't care. They they did it for the kids. They did it for us. So I learned from them. And I, I listen, at least I speak the language. You know, they, they didn't speak English and, and came out here and did all this shit. So Jeez. we have more resources and, and better equipped for this than they were. Uh, so if you're, if you know, if you're a parent, you do it for your kids. You stop living for yourself. You start living for them, which sucks. But it's what you got to do. <laughs> now, when you moved out there, was it oh, I want to make sure I get the timeline right. You were still on the Stern show. Mm-hmm. Was it that, OK, I'm going to go out there, work the Stern show, or was it I'm going to go out there, phase phase it out and do my thing? No, it was never my intention to come out here and, and resign from the show. Uh, my plan was to stay on the show. And I did uh, like four or five months into living here. Um, but it just got to the point where, you know, my role had changed on the show, my ability to, uh, interact and get the airtime that I was getting changed. There were a lot more steps you have to take before getting on the air. Uh, to me, you know, uh, it, it was just like starting back from square one where I, you know, I got to a point where I built up all this trust with with Gary and with Howard about being able to pop into the studio and add something to a conversation. Uh, and now all that was gone. And I was starting from square one and and the whack pack. That was my crew that was divvied out to other writers and producers. And and uh, and there was just some shit that kind of left a bad taste in my mouth that had nothing to do with Howard. Or this is all management decisions. And and so here I am. I have peace of mind with my family. I have peace of mind where I live. The only thing that was bugging me was work. And so I just got to a point where I'm like, I'm not enjoying this anymore. Um, I, I would rather I would rather try on my own and fail than to collect a check for something my heart's not in. You know, that was that was the decision I came to. Why why are you being fizzled out? I just think the they were figuring out this whole new process of doing these Zoom shows and like, you know, people popping in. And, and look, Howard doesn't like surprises. We all know that. So I get it that, you know, you, you put down on the agenda today at some point. Shuli has this or that. But for me, it was the organic stuff that was missing. So like Jeff, the drunk calls in. I have a puppet behind me. I'm ready to go. I go, I type in, you know, everything's I am uh, between the writers and I let them know, hey, I got the puppet ready. I'm ready to goof on Jeff. And rather than just have the trust in me that they've always had and throw it out there. Now the process is, well, can we have some sample lines? And and I'm not insulted by the sample lines. What pisses me off is that there's a window of opportunity for that call. And by the time I send you the sample lines of something that I've been doing for 15 years without having to give you sample lines, which was fine then, now you need to check my work ahead of time. For me, 
that was like a big fuck you to me. And yeah. and and I wasn't cool with that. And it, and it pissed me off. And again, that's that's management implementing that shit. That's not my brothers and sisters over there that I work with, you know, um, and I think, you know, if I wanted to and go to Howard and be like, hey, this is what's going on. He probably would just say, hey, this is the process and yeah. he'd be right to do so. But it's also my right to be like, I don't want to deal with this process. Like, so yeah, yeah. that's that. Are you still in contact with everybody? Yeah, I still talk to a lot of people there. Still talk to a lot of whack packers. Uh, you know, it's 15 years of my life. Uh, you know, I can't you can't just quit these relationships that you've made these friendships that you made, this is family. Um, you know, I've, I've told Gary the retard 14 times that I've quit. He's not getting it. I don't know. <laughs> he just keeps calling Wendy the retard. I talked to her. I broke the news to her. She was really sad. And then she saw a butterfly and I haven't heard from her since. So... You know, these relationships, they don't go away. There's no there's no resigning from these guys. And I like that. I like that. I, they helped me for 15 years. Um, and and we it wasn't an assignment. It wasn't a job. It was a lifestyle for me. I invested 100 percent into the WAC pack. I think that's why I got so much great stuff out of it, uh, because they trusted me. They saw me as a friend. And uh, and so, yeah, I. There's no, there's no backing out of that world. It's not like Scientology. They don't, you know. <laughs> I, I think it's super commendable that you know you have the, you know, the courage. Uh, pick up and leave New York. Go to Alabama. You know, uh, you weren't, you didn't feel the show was treating you how you want to be treated. Like you were going backwards. You leave the biggest radio show in the world, um, and you're willing to bet on yourself. And I think that's awesome. And, and I, I think that that's. You know, the, you carved out a niche for yourself on that show. Like you made, you, like you made something out of nothing. Like you made, you know, your interaction with the whack pack the, the, on the news and what have you. Um, you have to feel good about that accomplishment. Absolutely. I, I mean, I got to this news team. I was, you know, I, I'm sitting in a boardroom with uh, Emmy award-winning journalists and 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 people who were, you know, the voice of Ten Ten Wins, the biggest uh, news radio station uh, in the United States, and 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 I'm sitting there with two joints in my cigarette pack. You know, like I'm an idiot, <laughs> and like and and so I knew right away, like okay. I'm not going to be like Steve Lankford or John Lieberman and uncover some big ass story. Like, I don't want to do that. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to be like Lisa G and do like, you know, funny little entertainment pieces. You know, uh, I, what do I want to do there? What how do I what's my two cents here? So, hey, number one, I'm a super fan. So what's the stuff that when I was working as a plumber or working uh, at the airport, pushing wheelchairs or whatever fucking shit job I had, what were the bits that I gravitated towards? What did I like to hear? I love to hear from the whack pack and I love the back office stuff. So that was the stuff that I was going to gravitate to. I was already friends with a few whack packers, so it was easy to get into that mix. And it was it was an area that nobody else in the news was doing. So I kind of made that my my thing. And then when the news finished up and, and they shut down the news department, um, I had given so much to that whack pack that, you know, now they were they were still a part of the show. So meanwhile, the news is gone. But my beat is still very much alive in the show. And that's when I went from 
newsman to, you know, a writer and producer uh, and on-air correspondent. And so it never stopped uh, my checking in with the WAC Pack. Once I started, I realized that this is the most entertaining thing to me, having a conversation with Eric, the actor, and and getting him to say, I miss you to me is everything to me. That's That's what I was shooting for. So... Uh, so yeah, it was, it's great, man. And absolutely. There's been a number of times on that show where he's put out an edict saying, Hey, uh, I don't, I don't want to do too much whack pack stuff this month or whatever. Like I want to do more guest stuff and I could have easily folded up my tent and been like, I'm fucked. He doesn't want whack pack stuff, but instead I would still keep tabs on him. And I knew if there was something big enough, something good enough, he would, he knows he loves the radio more than he loves the edicts. Right. And so if the right thing came across his desk, that whack pack segment would be on the air. And it did. And I lived through like two or three of those no whack pack stuff for a while edicts. So, yeah. And, and again, if it wasn't for him giving me the opportunity, I would have never had this chance to kind of carve my own little thing out. So, you know, I see you on stage. You're a very calm guy, you know, talking to you calm. How do you, you were like unflappable when you were like, when you were in the studio, you're in, you know, there's so much chaos going on, different personalities. Like, how do you keep that even keel? Uh, well, as a comic starting starting out in Vegas, <laughs> yeah, weed helps, but as a comic <laughs> starting out in Vegas, I, I played to uh, nines of people a night uh, at this <laughs> shitty casino. <laughs> So I'm kind of used to playing in front of a small, intimate crowd, having my early start in comedy. And my goal, anytime I went in, there was there were, you know, through the various stages, there was either three, four people in that booth or five people in that room. And that's who my target is to make laugh. And if I can make these people laugh, then whoever's listening is going to be laughing. It's contagious. So for me, I had I had the experience of playing in front of very few people uh, for many years and uh, the experience of like, I'm just going to make this dude laugh. Like, I just I just want to make him laugh and and do a voice or do something. Uh, and that was my goal every time. And if I could get boss to laugh, then you're set. Archie and I are I've been in a band together for, you know, 15, 17, whatever, how many years it's been. And we had the same scenario where we play like, you know, in the, the city, the Acme underground, we played for like the bartender and like a server. Um, and we made them laugh, but unfortunately that wasn't what we were going for. <laughs> I understand. I understand. But you know, the, the key is like you show up, right. Uh, you don't turn down that up, there was a gig uh, when I first moved out here, a guy was a fan. He owns a bar in Mississippi and he booked me to come out and do stand up. Now, when I tell you I'm, I'm, f- I have to make a left to go towards this venue. I see it from the highway and everything in my body's telling me, don't make a left, make a U-turn and go back home. <laughs> but it's in, it's in my blood that like, Hey, this guy took time to invite me to his venue. B he, he wants to pay me for my time. He appreciates it and see, this is what I do. Like, let's, let's do it. Even if it goes bad, there's still something that can come from it. And, uh, and you know, it's a bad gig when the owner is talking you out of doing time. 
you know, like he's telling me, <laughs> he goes, yeah, he goes, you know, do, I mean, do whatever you want. You don't have to do a full hour. He says you can do 10 minutes. It's fine. You know what it means when they chop 50 minutes off your set where the guy's like, he's literally just trying to help me. And, and I'm going, I got it. Don't worry about it. He paid me up front, which they never do. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it was terrible. It was, ter I bombed for 30 minutes. I recorded the whole thing and I played clips on my podcast of me dying a miserable death on stage. And, and even your worst gig, something good comes out of it. Nothing will come out of it if you don't do it. So whatever, whatever sitting there in the audience, get just get it done, man. Go out there and what do other, your thing. What other like pros, cons, drastic changes you see from doing stand up at the store or the seller compared to wherever the fuck in 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 a uh, middle of america that like you know what are some differences that you see right off the bat well it's funny it's like uh first of all you know you have there's a club out here in huntsville stand up live uh chain of clubs across the country this one's very good out here then you have uh nashville you got zanies which i'm going to tonight uh i'll be there i'm there usually monday nights you have uh atlanta you have uh florida texas louisiana all these places have all these clubs now and all these clubs were open during the pandemic it was one of the few places that you could do indoor stand-up was down in the south so uh, one of the things that I've learned is that and I made a joke about it earlier, but it's true. Like they don't really know Jews out here. They don't really know. <laughs> like they just legitimately think we're just white people. And uh, so that that's been fun to figure that out. Um, and then, you know, little things like, uh, you know, you learn as you like uh, bless your heart means go fuck yourself in the south pretty much <laughs> which i didn't know so stuff like that you're you're learn i listen i think there's a big pendulum swing coming i think so many people are starving for stand up uh not safe stand up just funny and uh and so i'm glad to be getting back on the road i'm um gigging this weekend in baltimore on the 10th and then uh vienna virginia on the 11th and then I'm in uh, Tampa, January 8th at Side Splitters. So everything's on my website, shalomshuli.com. I got a new hour. I'm working out <clears throat> that hopefully will be ready to record. Um, I'm hoping March. Uh, I don't know where I'm recording it yet. It might be here in Huntsville. But um, yeah, the new hour is coming along nicely. And, and I'm happy to be getting back on the road again. Maybe that guy will yeah, be You can do the special there. Maybe you never know. <laughs> yeah, to, to kind of dovetail on Archie's question, I was going to ask that because, like in the city, you could hit a couple of spots a night, you know, to go up and do a set. Uh, it's good to hear that there's places around for you to, for you to do that there, um, and there has to be. A, 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 you you kind of alluded to it by saying that they didn't know uh, what a Jew was. There has to be a lot of differences between uh, you know the New York crowd and Alabama. You know, it's funny. They're they're really, you know, stand up live reminds me a lot of of Long Island, of like Governor's Comedy Club uh, or the brokerage, which I love playing in those clubs. But they're just like anybody else. They're happy to be off of work. They're putting them away pretty rapidly. They get a little chatty sometimes. 
but at the end of the day, they, they just want your attention. And uh, when you give it to them, they're usually everybody's very polite here. Everybody's very the manners here are crazy. Uh, you know, the, the the one of the greatest things about the South and particularly where I'm at in Huntsville is that they still beat their kids here. And it's uh, <laughs> it works. <laughs> the system works flawlessly. I see them every Sunday mowing lawns. They're fucking they're good kids. Yes, sir. No, ma'am. Uh, it takes a couple beatings and, and you got a nice young, uh, adult there working for you. So and my wife have this talk almost every other night. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, just, but just a small smack. Yeah. Just a- yeah. You should hit her too while you're at it. <laughs> Nobody's safe. No. Um, I, I feel like uh, Archie and I, you know, uh, always go to see comedians, New York, New Jersey. I feel like more in this area, like some people are more geared towards like, like going to a comedy club and not wanting to laugh or going there and wanting to hijack the show. Mm. Like, is it? Well, that's alcohol. That's alcohol. (laughs) Alcohol is the biggest factor in that. And, and, you know, uh, chicks, uh, particularly hot chicks, they, they, they go bananas when attention (laughs) hasn't been paid to them in 10 minutes. (laughs) So those are always the twats that open their mouth at a fucking show. And she's like, oh, yeah, you're not funny. It's like, go fuck yourself. How about that? You look, you're going to hit the wall one day and you're going to look like a fucking catcher's mitt. And I'm going to be there to point at you and laugh in your fucking face. What do you think of that? Uh, do, you, do you think you experience more of those people in like the Northeast or, or where you're oh, at? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. East Coast, especially the comedy club shows, you know, because uh, Mm -hmm. people are there. It's a showcase show. You're seeing like every comic do 10 or 12 minutes. So it's like, I don't know if they get bored. I don't know if they just get drunk and black out and forget where they are. But yeah, they're always just, you know, they'll just start talking as if I'm the one interrupting their thing, you know, like (laughs) it's fucking wild. Um, so talk to us about you know the project that you're doing now, the Shuli Show podcast. Um, I listened to, I, I just became a subscriber, listened to some episodes, uh, really good. And Thank and, you, and you can you you can tell that like I love the I, I love the first episode when I heard it, and it's almost like you're organically growing. And I don't mean just the audience, I mean the the overall show. So talk to us about how uh talk to us, talk to us about how a successful podcast runs. <laughs> well, I mean I don't, you know, to your to your eyes, it's successful to mine. I'm not quite there yet, but but I'm closer today than I was yesterday. Uh, for me, you know, I, I got to work with, you know, I always say Luke got to meet one Yoda. I got to meet three Yodas, uh, Howard, Jay Thomas, Scott Farrell. Those three individuals taught me the most when it comes to radio and broadcasting. Each of them were originals in their own right and what they do. Nobody does what these guys do or did uh, in Jay's case. And, and for me, I'm trying to take a piece of each of these guys lessons that I've learned and implement it into my podcast. And it's, you know, I, I can't help. I have a whole new whack pack that I've discovered uh, called my shoes team. They're my news team. And uh, we got a few guys with cerebral palsy. We got a guy with autism. We got a, uh, we got a, uh, we got a guy who's a virgin and he's 50. That's his handicap. Um, 
we got a lot of people. And 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 then, you know, about halfway through all the episodes, uh, I kind of miss doing the uh, interviews that I started out doing on my podcast with friends and guests. So uh, I've kind of scaled back the whack pack thing now to once a month. Uh, the shoes team episodes. And then what I've been doing lately is just uh, one-on-one interviews with people that I'm interested in people that are uh, friends of mine, um, people that I've never spoken to before, you know, this, uh, the, the ability to, um, to have a conversation with somebody and, and not get upset and not spout out facts from the news or, or what we think are facts from the news or all this shit. Like I, I love unplugging from all that shit. I, I, I don't watch the news every day. I don't make my whole fucking life about uh, COVID or vaccines or fucking this or that. Like I just want, I just want to broadcast, make a living doing this and talk to people that I enjoy. And that's what I've been trying to do. Um, I, I also do a podcast with uh, the great Bob Levy, uh, Brent Hatley, Mike Morse, Mark Burns, a show we used to have on Sirius uh, about 12 years ago called uh, Miserable Men. We yep. are now doing that on Patreon.com uh, slash The Miserable Men Show, where it's basically like The View hosted by Neanderthals. Um, <laughs> it's not safe. It's not pretty. And it's just what the world needs right now. So we have that. Uh, we have the Shuli show and also on my Patreon uh, at the Shuli show. I talk weekly with uh, Suzanne Muldowney, also known as underdog. She was probably fantastic. <laughs> yeah. She, her and I spoke, you know, multiple times a week, every week uh, for 15 years. And uh, when I left, she uh, was very happy to hear that I left. And we talked a little bit about uh, possibly doing a uh, show where fans could ask her questions. And that's what we're doing. It's called Ask Suzanne. Uh, it's only on my Patreon. And if you sign up to the Patreon, you can submit your questions every week. Uh, lately, people have been writing <laughs> writing in uh, some interesting questions, which I kind of find as a challenge <laughs> at times. Like, how am I going to get this? How am I going to get this question without uh, upsetting her? But uh, people are writing in their names are like Hans up her skirts, uh, <laughs> stuff like that. People are writing in. Uh, Go na come from Israel wrote in a question last week. So <laughs> there's a lot of fun stuff and she's a great sport and she uh, she's very happy that we are uh, back at it and together again. And so um, that's happening. And then in January, I'm debuting a new podcast with a comic friend of mine, James Mattern, who, uh, one of the best comics in New York today. Um, him and I started together in Vegas and we bombed on a regular basis every night to the point where we had a code code phrase when one of us was hosting and bombed and then we'd bring the other one out. We would shake his hand on stage, look him in the eye and go, thanks for coming out. And that was our way of letting the other one know you're about to eat a shit sandwich. <laughs> so we have a podcast coming out in January called Thanks for Coming Out, a podcast about bombing. And it's just me and James interviewing comics. Uh, some of your favorite comics today that uh, here's a fun fact. They all sucked 
back in the day and uh and they all bombed and uh and they're gonna and this is what we do when we get together comics we just trade war stories so that's what this podcast is about we've recorded a bunch of episodes already it's going to be coming out uh uh in january in the new year so keep your eyes open for uh thanks for coming out could you imagine if there was no patreon nowadays what would you do well, I, I've said it, you know, if this happens 10 years ago and I leave the show, my only move is to go apply at another radio station. Yeah. Right. There's no there, I mean, podcasting was around, but it wasn't what it is now. No. It, it, and now you have Patreon, which is a total game changer. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I'd probably just get a job somewhere or something. It's fucking crazy, bro. No, like. The, the way like Rocco and I talk about this all the time, like the, the world that went to DIY mm. in this type of industry, it, it's amazing. Like you want to know what? I'm not going to work for the fucking man. I'm going to work for myself. You could fail. But, it's it's, it's you know. great. It went, it went from who, you know, to to help you get a meeting to how many people are following this guy. And now the meeting comes to you. Yeah. And yeah. that and that's that's a game changer. That's a big deal, man. It's like. You know, do you know anybody at Netflix? Do you know? It doesn't matter. Get fucking get get 600,000 views on your YouTube shit and Netflix will reach out to you. Hulu will reach out to you. So it's a completely different ball game right yeah. now. And and it's definitely in our favor. You know, finally. Where do you think do you see yourself? Mars. Next question. No, I'm sorry. Where do I, where do I see myself? Where Say, Where do you, in about five years, right? Mm. Besides you setting up, you know, the whack pack versus the shoe steam bowl. Yeah. Where, where do you see yourself five years from now? Uh, you know what? Uh, you know, five years from now, I, oh, I love you, my love. Thank you, baby. Sorry, my beautiful angel wife just brought me some lunch down here. Oh. This is, hey, this is why anything, you pack up shop and move to wherever the fuck she wants. Anything on a potato bun is okay with me. Anything on a potato bun is okay. You're right. hundred percent. You talk about kosher, nothing more kosher than potato buns and whatever the fuck's in it. Um, I, five years from now. I don't know, man. I, I, I feel like five years from now, I will definitely be living the way I've seen myself be able to live uh, since I did this, you know, I, I, <clears throat> I definitely had a moment where I think doubt crept in for a second or two. Yeah. And some of like that self reflection reflection of like, did I fuck up? But <laughs> that went away fast when I was reminded of how I felt when I left that, that, <clears throat> release instead of stress and and worry and oh my fucking god what are we gonna do it felt like as soon as i hung up and i knew i had resigned and it was done i felt like a giant weight was lifted off of me i felt this relief i felt this this ability to creatively like burst and and do whatever the fuck i want and and you know comment about shit on social media that I want little things that you kind of forget that, that you have this uh, 
it's silly, but it's like you're so under this umbrella for so long that you you kind of forget that there's all these other options. And 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 the coolest thing for me was like reaching out to people I've been friends with throughout the years that could have easily said, oh, you're not on the show anymore. I'm not doing I'm not doing anything you're doing or whatever the fuck. And every single one of them, guys like Howie Mandel, guys like Doug Stanhope, you know, just came on the show instantly uh, without even questioning it. Uh, I mean, you know, Jackie, having Jackie on the show, uh, all this stuff, man. Howard 100 News reunion I did uh, on my show. I did a Jay Thomas show reunion, being able to talk to these people and, and, and tell the stories I've always wanted to tell. Uh, it's, it's, it's awesome, man. And, you know, we're doing, uh, we're doing our own thing one day at a time and it's getting, we're getting better and better at it. Uh, I'm still figuring shit out. You know, this is my first time doing my own thing. So I hear you, pal. Yeah. And I, I like, and I like how, um, you, like you said, you didn't want to make it like a continuation of the Stern show. You wanted, you wanted your own thing. You wanted to be able to, you know, put your own, you know, fingerprints all over it. Um, is it, do, do you know, are you, are you legally allowed to like, is you ever thought about coming out with a book in the future about the stories that you've had in the past to kind of like put that all together? Or is that something that you sign away? No, I have no, I left with no NDA sign of any kind. Um, uh, that, that was, you know, it, 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 long story short, I could write a book. I don't know how many people would want to buy a book that doesn't trash somebody because I really don't have any reason to trash him. Um, and I wouldn't uh, do I, do I write a book about my issues with management? I don't know how many people give a shit about that, you know? And, and also I think in a way, I don't know how that, I don't know how that sets you up well enough for the future. Like who knows, What's coming? You talk about five years from now. What if there's a huge podcast that is looking to have me on as a co-host or or a company that's looking to get behind my podcast and take it to the next level? Well, if they now have a book where I'm shitting on everybody that gave me an opportunity in the past, that doesn't necessarily look good. And it's also kind of like not my thing. I'll fire if fired upon, but I'm not going to go out of my way to trash somebody because I'm an energy guy. So that kind of energy comes back to you and it ain't good. I would rather, I would rather boomerang some good shit out there and have that come back to me rather than the opposite. Sense. What's that? Look at that business sense of you. Yeah, man. Oh, it's, yeah. It's, it's Jew power, dude. What can I tell you, man? We're born with it. And I, I love seeing some books. of your responses. <laughs> I love seeing some of your responses. You, they, like you do that to people. You're like, Oh, I'm so sorry that I offended you by blah, blah, blah. My, yeah. my sincerest apologies. Like, <laughs> I had a guy once at a show. I told I told uh, I used to do this bit years ago uh, about a new line of videos that I'm putting out. One of them was called Jews Gone Wild. Um, <laughs> and it was uh, the first scene. We're tipping over 40 uh, percent. Second scene. We're not complaining about anything at the restaurant. You know, very hacky. <laughs> shit uh and then i did and then i did uh, this one joke i said and, and if you order now you'll get puerto ricans gone wild and i said uh i go first scene guys going to work i go can you believe this <laughs> and uh and i remember this guy in the front row he's just sitting there with his arms folded, and he's just shaking his head <laughs> in disgust and i said i go what, what's up you all right and he goes i didn't like that joke 
And I said, you were offended? He says, yes. I said, why were you offended? He says, because I'm Puerto Rican. And I said, you know what's funny about you? You claim to be offended, but you don't even know what offends you. I said, and and he's like looking at me confused. And I said, I bet you I could tell you a joke right now that will make you love that Puerto Rican joke. (laughs) And he goes, uh, he goes, no, I don't like it. And I'm like, and I just go right into it. I said, pedophiles driving down a road, sees a car flipped over. Next to it is an eight year old girl in a dress covered in blood. He gets out of the car. He runs over. He sees the burnt corpse of her mother by the car. He sees the charred, decapitated corpse of her father next to the other side of the car. And the pedophile looks at her and he goes, shit, today is not your day, darling. And uh, and that <laughs> and I do this joke and it gets it gets one of those. Ha, ha, oh, yeah. and everybody's just like, oh, and and horrified. And I look at the guy and I go, how's the Puerto Rican joke now? And he goes, it's a good joke. And that was the lesson. That was the lesson. When you say you're offended, you're just saying I'm smarter than all the other Puerto Ricans. And I know what you mean by this and what you're trying to say. It's like, no, you fucking don't. You just don't have a sense of humor. You just don't want to laugh at stupid shit. When I'm doing Jew jokes, everybody's ha ha ha. I do a Puerto (laughs) Rican joke. Nobody wants to laugh. Why? Because they got knives. Get over it. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, before we let you go, my, one of my favorite bits of yours is uh, when your wife sends you out for the provolone cheese. <laughs> oh my god! And, and, and your favorite Parmesan bit cheese. is my wife's least favorite bit, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, the, the, uh, genuinely. The first time I heard it, laughing my ass off. I mean, you do the, the, the hand motion when you tell the guy, slice it thin. I go, slice thin. It's, a, it's, it's what's funny about that story. And, and, it is, and this is, you know, a lesson anybody out there is looking to go into stand up. The realest shit is the funniest shit. You know, that that is a real story. And you sell the real stories differently than you do a joke. Uh, We are salesmen up there at the end of the day. So when you're telling a real thing that happened to you, you're, you're completely telling it in a different way than a made up joke. And that story, you know, the, the point of that is for me anyways, when I was, when I was bringing that to the stage was, how do I make this funny for people who don't smoke weed? for people who haven't been stoned, right? Like the, the, the stoners are going to get it and they're going to laugh at it. But what about, what about, you know, the cops? Uh, what about them? How do I make them laugh? And so I had to figure out that the, the joke of it all is me, the idiot, the dummy <laughs> who was sent out to get uh, provolone cheese and is standing there angrily demanding Parmesan cheese sliced thin. And the guy (laughs) is looking at me like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I'm looking at him going, what kind of fucking deli is this? You won't slice a half a pound of Parmesan cheese sliced thin. I'm doing this. And the guy, the guy's looking at me like he's being pranked. Like he's like, is this for real? And, and, and so, yeah, you gotta, you know, you gotta, you gotta take the realest shit. And, and those are the funniest comics are the ones that are, that are just an open book. Awesome. 
Yeah. But listen, dude, um, we so appreciate you giving us some time. Uh, where can all the listeners find you? Uh, all the stuff that you're doing, all your dates. Uh, you can go to my website, shalomshuli.com, S-H-A-L-O-M-S-H-U-L-I.com. Uh, you can check out all the tour dates that are there. The podcast is The Shuli Show. That is available on all platforms, uh, audio, YouTube. Uh, you can sign up to Patreon and we do every show live for the patrons. So you can contribute to the show, comment, whatever. Just watch it live. Uh, we have uh, the Miserable Men show on Patreon as well. Um, Ask Suzanne. My show with Suzanne Muldowney is on my Patreon. So if you sign up, you get that show as well. And uh, thanks for coming out is coming out in January. So stay tuned for that. And uh, if you want to listen to my album, it's on Spotify. I think it's on Amazon as well. Uh, iTunes. It's uh, I did like three years ago. It's called Shulogy and uh, it's a double album. And the uh, concept behind the album was I do the same set back to back. Uh, but the first show I do sober. And then the second show I got drunk and stone and try to run the same material again. That's fantastic. So it's a, it's part comedy album, part social experiment. Um, you know, you get to hear the same joke done two completely different ways. Thanks to weed and alcohol. And, uh, <laughs> and, and it's a great album. I really dig it. Um, and yeah. And Shalom Shuli.com on uh, Shalom Shuli on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, that's about it, man. Thanks for having me, boys. Uh, we so really, much, really brother. appreciate Very it. Thank you. Oh, one other plug. Uh, channelattitude.com. That is Vince Russo, the wrestling legend, has uh, started a uh, site. Uh, and myself and Bob Levy are doing uh, a show there called The BS Show. And it's just me and Bob talking shit for an hour. And that that is available as well. Uh, it's a sp- subscription thing. Um, uh, channelattitude.com. That's it. That's all I got. Awesome. The great truly. Thank you so much. We can't wait to talk to you in the future, pal. I appreciate it. Thank you, gentlemen. Stay well. Good luck, brother. Thank you, my man. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. If you just heard us chatting with our boy Shuli, sitting on your coolie, sipping a truly, smelling like weed and patchouli, then you just listen to Not These Two Fucking Guys podcast. Yeah. Hey, Arch, you hear about that guy who got arrested for masturbating in his vehicle? No. Got arrested. <laughs> <laughs> you, you even fuck up your own jokes. <laughs>